This morning, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 16 is where we find our passage, the passage we've been looking at uh, for the past two weeks. This is our third week and final week in this series that I have titled, Why You Should Never Give Up. This book, of course, was written by the Apostle Paul, and if you know Anything about the Apostle Paul, you know that he, he was a, a, a man that was greatly used of God, accomplished great things, but it cost him a lot. He was uh, persecuted in ways that we can only uh, you know, imagine. We can't really understand uh, how he was persecuted, but we read in the scriptures that, uh, you know, that he, he was stoned, he, he was um, scourged, he, he was... Um, he went days without eating uh, or, or drinking. He was left for dead when he was, when he was stoned. He was put in prison. And, and don't think that the prison that he was in was anything like our prisons. I've never been in a prison, but, you know, I've seen Scared Straight, you know, in those types of shows. And uh, I've been in jails. I've done some uh, little bit of uh, jail ministry. And uh, those were dungeons in those days where he would have to be dropped in by a rope. Uh, and had no light there. I mean, it was, uh, he, he truly did suffer, and he took such a battering. His body took such, such, such a battering. In fact, at one time he said, I bear on, on my body the marks of Christ. I bear on my body the, the marks of Christ. And so th- this battering that he took left him the worse for wear. And, and, and what happened uh, is that it made him uh, somewhat of a shamed figure in the eyes of the world. He had a deteriorating physical condition and what he had been through was, was shameful to people in Corinth who, who took those types of things into account. They judged people by how they looked and they wondered out loud, how powerful an apostle can he be? Look at him. He's all beat up. I mean, that, that, it was obvious by looking at him, according to scholars, it was obvious that he was physically battered. Uh, and and he, he had suffered much. And so they thought, he's an apostle. You know, he, he writes big. He, he's, you know, they, they, they said that he, he, used, he uses a lot of words. He's very verbose. They blamed him, you know, accused him of just being very verbose. But when you see him in person, he's not much. Because I think and maybe they assumed that God would have done a better job of safeguarding his authorized messenger. If he really is an apostle, why didn't God just keep him? From any trouble, why does he look like this? I mean, some in the ancient world just interpreted affliction as a sign of God's judgment. And it was something that was dishonorable to them. And maybe that's part of the reason why Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians, this is his second letter to the Corinthians, he included this section, these three verses that are the basis of this series that we're finishing today called Why You Should Never Give Up. And so this series is based on this phrase that Paul used and. 2 Corinthians 4.16, he also used it in verse 1. We'll get to that in a minute. He used it in other of, uh, other, others of his letters. The phrase is, therefore, we do not lose heart. This is a series about not giving up. And as we said the first week of the series, this is a series about not even thinking about giving up. This is a series about not giving in to the desire to give up. Because when we lose heart, we become discouraged and we become deflated. And despair consumes us. 
But thanks be to God that we don't ever need to lose heart. That's a good news. And that's what this series is about. So very quickly, in week one, we talked about the need for daily renewal. Paul said that he inwardly was renewed every day. This involves us making an effort to change how we think and what we think and involves spending time alone with God and allowing His Holy Spirit to transform us, to change us. And it involves making time each day as well for spiritually uplifting activities, laughing, relaxing. We talked about those things, sharing moments, uh, first of all, with God, but sharing moments with family and with friends, people who lift us up. And then in week two, we talked about refusing to give in to the temptation to say, what's the use? I mean, what is, what's the use? I mean, there's, uh, there's a uh, time for each of us when we're tempted to just throw up our hands. Say, why, why even bother? It's a, a futility, right? But there's no such thing as futility for people of faith. Faith and futility don't go together. So we have to remind ourselves as often as is necessary that what we're dealing with today is temporary. It's real. Now, Paul doesn't teach us to deny it. He's saying it's real and it's hard and it's painful and we feel like it's unfair, but it's temporary and it doesn't compare to the glory that God has planned for us. He says the situation won't last forever, but we will. Our souls will by the power of God at work within us. And so today, we're going to look at a third reason why we don't need to lose heart. Let's go back and read 2 Corinthians 4.16. And by the way, we're going to read more from this same chapter. But right now, let's start with 2 Corinthians 4.16, where he writes this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And now today's verse is verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So I want to talk to you today about keeping the eternal in view. Keeping the eternal in view, keeping the eternal in focus, focusing our eyes, fixing our eyes, Paul says, on those things that really matter. Because if we look where we should be looking and if we're seeing what we should be seeing, the eternal, then we won't lose heart. So what I want to do today is look at three unseen yet eternal priorities where we should Fix our eyes intently. This is what this means. Intently every day of our lives. If these priorities are our focus, then it won't be so easy to lose heart when storms come our way. The storms of life that rage all around us. We're going to stay strong. So let's look at these three priorities. I bet you can guess the first one, right? The first one is this. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Right. That's obvious. Right. I mean, that's the old joke that uh, when you go to a vacation Bible school, whatever question the teacher asks, just answer Jesus and you'll probably get it right. It's always about Jesus. Right. If you guess Jesus, you got a good chance of getting it right. In the Christian life, when your first answer to every problem you face is Jesus, 
then you have a 100% chance of getting it right every single time. When I was in high school, I was really sometimes zealous, sometimes overzealous. I don't know. I used to, I used to wear these patches that, of course, wore the bell bottoms. You remember the bell bottoms, right? And there were these patches. We didn't have social media, so we didn't have memes. But the memes were in form of patches. I don't know where I got them. And I'd ask my mom to sew them to the bottom of, of the, my pants. Because that was a thing, right? I didn't create that. I just followed it. But there were patches with Christian sayings. And, and then I had, a pen, I had pencils with Christian sayings. And one of them said, uh, I remember it was a white pencil and red letters. that said, Jesus is the answer. So I'd use that pencil and I'd forget and leave it lying around somewhere. You know, just wanted to, people to know. And uh, there was, one, at one, in one of my classes, this guy behind me, and I knew him because we were in the same grade level, but I didn't know him personally. And uh, he, he saw one of my pencils, and he says, Jesus is the answer, but well, what's the question? Ha, ha, ha. It was just kind of this. Um, but, I mean, and, and we were in high school. You know, we, and when you're in high school, you live a sheltered life because, you know, we... Uh, we haven't really gone out into life and, and had life hit us in the face, start coming at us real quick. But when that happens, then we realize Jesus is the answer to every problem that we face. And we often want to focus on our problems, on all the things that we're going through at the current moment, because we know they can't be avoided. We know that's life. Like I said, things come at us very quickly. We've got to deal with those things. We've got to deal with problems right now. You might have a situation when you go home, you got to go deal with that. When you go back to work tomorrow, you got to deal with this. Um, you know, those things are, are, are looking us in the face. But the answer to the things that approach us, that Satan sends our way, that just happens because life is hard. The answer is Jesus to every situation. In the book of Hebrews, the author is talking about uh, the courage that Moses had in leading his people out of uh, out of Egypt, people of Israel out of Egypt. Then in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, the writer says, speaking of Moses, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He kept his eyes, Moses kept his eyes on God who he couldn't even see. He was looking at the eternal. He kept the eternal in view. And then a few verses later, Hebrews 12, 2, the writer says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Same idea, we fix our eyes on Jesus because He's the answer. It's more than just a little meme, you know, that you put or a little saying that you put on a pencil somewhere, but it's a reality that, that Paul is emphasizing this idea of Jesus above everything else. So let's, let's pull back the view here. We've been looking at these three verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's pull back a little bit and, and look at some other verses in this same chapter. This is, uh, with, this is the same context here. So 2 Corinthians 4, 5, earlier in that chapter, Paul writes, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. But he says here first, we're not preaching about ourselves. We're not trying to build up our kingdom. We're not, we're not trying to, to, to build something up, our, our empire. This is not going to be 
the Solid Rock Church Empire. No, we're, we're building up, we're preaching Jesus. When your problems loom really large, step aside and look to Jesus again. It's something that we know how to do. Focus on His ministry. Read about His ministry, how Jesus ministered to people. How He felt compassion for the crowds because they were harassed. They were like sheep without a shepherd and His heart went out to them. And He ministered to them. Focus on His death and resurrection. Focus on His life as a teacher, as a healer. Focus on His uh, life as even as a carpenter. I'm sure we can learn something about that. In other words, just focus on Jesus. Get your eyes off of everything that distracts us. There are so many things that distract us. Our cell phones distract us. Have you ever met somebody and and a friend or somebody you just met and you're talking to them and they're like, oh yeah, it's good to see you. You We're so distracted. So distracted. Focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Direct our attention to, to Him. Even in church sometimes, we don't really direct our attention to, to Jesus. We're, we're distracted by other thoughts and other things. So Paul says that he doesn't lose heart because he stays focused on that which is eternal. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Secondly, we fix our eyes on those we're called to serve. We fix our eyes on those we're called to serve. 2 Corinthians 4.1, read this with me. He says, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we what? We do not lose heart. Since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. He's saying, I'm not going to lose heart because I've got this ministry. I'm helping people. I'm serving people. I'm teaching people. And that same chapter, jump to verse 12, 2 Corinthians 4.12. He wrote, so then death is at work in us, but, but life is at work in you. As if to say, uh, this is hard. This is hard, folks. I feel like I'm, I'm dying a thousand deaths here. But it's okay because I can see that there's a difference being made in your life. The implication being through his ministry, right? Death is at work in us, but it's all right because life is at work in you and, 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 and God called us to serve you. So we don't lose heart. Verse 15, same chapter, 2 Corinthians 4.15. All this for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. For your benefit. See, he's saying you don't lose heart when you're able to remember those that God has called you to serve. And if you're able to recall how your servanthood is helping them, how your servanthood is benefiting their lives, keep that in mind. Of course, sometimes you serve people that don't appreciate it. Has that ever happened to you? If you're a parent, it has. right? Parents know all about doing something for your kids and they don't appreciate it at all until they're parents themselves. Sometimes it takes that long. But even outside the family, sometimes the people that you serve aren't fully aware of your service, your servanthood. Uh, how it's helping them. Your effort might not be appreciated, but remember, you're not working for their appreciation. Paul said you're working for their benefit. So if you don't get their appreciation, at least, he says, they're getting the benefit of you serving them. So he says, 
I don't lose heart because God has given me this ministry. We all have a way in which God has called us to serve others. Every one of us. God may not, may not have called you to a vocational ministry to do this as your full-time vocation, but nevertheless, God has called you to serve others, to serve people, to minister to people. That's a reason not to give up, Paul says. We have this, uh, this ministry so we won't lose heart. We don't lose heart. So, you remember, don't worry about it. It's nice to be appreciated. I know that. But remember, you're not working for appreciation. You're working for their benefit. Not their appreciation, but their benefit. This is why Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.10, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he, he endured some harsh things because of the people he was ministering to for the sake of the elect. And by the way, I have, you know, I have to tell you, I'm speaking from experience when I, I, I say that uh, truly one of the things that has kept me from tossing in the towel, you know, from giving up, uh, is knowing that God has placed people in my life who, uh, that, are, that it is my privilege to serve. How can I lose heart when I know that, that God has given me a, a, a ministry? So our church is not a new church. It's been around for a while, and a few years ago we celebrated our 25th anniversary. And honestly, I, I didn't plan to do any kind of celebration for 25 years. And the reason was I thought, I mean, people don't even know we're here. People never heard of Solid Rock Church, and we're a small church, and this and that. And, and I wasn't planning on doing anything. But a pastor friend of mine here in town says, no, no, you got to do it. You got to do it. And he encouraged me. And, and after he encouraged me, I thought, you know what? It has been 25 years of preaching the gospel. It has been 25 years of, of me preparing and just expounding God's word and, and explaining God's word. And it has been 25 years of pastoral care, you know, ministering to people, going to their homes and they're hurting, uh, going to the hospital, praying for them. Uh, dedicating their children, burying their loved ones. It's been 25 years of intercession, of, intercession, of praying. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt unappreciated until God helped me to see that, you know, I was doing what God called me to do. God didn't, you know, didn't call me to expect appreciation, but to, to expect that I can benefit others through what God has called me to do. And I've told you several times, I certainly don't consider myself to be the best at, at anything, but I, I want to do the best at, in what God has called me to do. So I think this is what Paul is talking about. Fix your eyes on those that you're called to serve and, and, and the service that you're called to render. Fix your eyes on the difference that your servanthood is making, and you won't lose heart. You know, you know, like your parents might say about your kids, you know, oh, these kids drive me crazy, but they need me. I can't like bail out, right? They need me. They need me. They need their father, you know, if, if you're the mom or vice versa. So one of our unseen yet eternal priorities that we fix our eyes on is the people that God has called us to serve. And then here's the third and final unseen yet eternal priority that we need to focus on. We fix our eyes on God's ongoing work in our lives. Because God is not finished with you. In the book of Philippians, in the letter to Philippians, Paul says that God has begun a work in us that He will see through to completion. 
It, this work began when we surrender to Jesus, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This work will continue until the day that we see Him face to face. There's an ongoing work. God's not finished with us yet. So don't lose sight of what God is doing and what God has already done. We read in verse 1 a while ago, uh, through God's mercy, we have this ministry so we do not lose heart. Uh, let's focus now on what he said about his mercy, God's mercy, because Paul understood all along why he was a Christian, why he was an apostle, why he was a church planner, why he was a missionary. It wasn't because he was such a great guy. In fact, he himself said, I am the chief of sinners. So that's not why he was called to do all those things. But he understood that his life had significance only because he was a sinner who had been transformed by God's grace and God's mercy. We have this ministry, he said in verse 1, only because of God's mercy. And so maybe you can look back at the person you used to be and you look at the person you are today. And I know you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But you can see by looking at the person you used to be the changes that God has brought you through. Or maybe you grew up like me, and you grew up going to church, and uh, you know I've been in church most of my life, been involved in some kind of ministry, even when I was in school, in high school. And I can't say, well, I was this wretched sinner, but you know what I, I can say is, I know what kind of person I would be if God hadn't saved me, because I know my weaknesses, I know where Satan tempts me. And so I know that if God hadn't saved me, I know where I would be. Like a lot of people, other people who maybe started out serving God, but they've lost their way. And so what I'm saying is, look at the changes God has already brought about in your life. You, you may say, well, I, I mean, um, I struggle so much and I've got all these failures and, all, all, you know, and I get frustrated with myself. Yes, but that's understandable. We're, we're all there, but understand the changes God has already made in your life. How oh, He's already changed you. Think of the victories He's given you. The victories you've won with God's help. Victory over sin, over failure. In the most difficult of circumstances, you've kept your eyes on Jesus. And, and God is saying, I'm going to keep doing that. I'm working on you. No, we're going back at, you know, pulling back and looking at this chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. So let's look now at verse 7. Paul writes this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power from God is from God and not from us. And he says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Sometimes I read that and I think, Oh, Paul went through so much. But you know what? But that's how God works in our lives too. That's how God works in our lives. We face more than just a few calls, a few close calls, I should say. You have faced some close calls where you got so close to just giving up and saying, you know what, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I'm done. I just live my life and let what happens happen. Because we get knocked down, but we get up again. So Paul is saying, there's no knocking us down. When we know that God is just doing a work in us and He's not finished. When you're tempted to start waving a white flag, take a look at what God has done to get you to where you are. And you might be able to say, like Paul, yeah, you know what, I remember I almost gave up. Man, that was hard. 
That's the hardest thing I've ever been through. But you didn't lose hope because you knew God was working in you. And that's how God works in us. Wouldn't it be nice if we never had any problems? Probably not. I don't think that would be very nice. I think the problems allow us to, to grow. Last week to, to the moms I, and to all of us, I spoke about how important it is to, to grow a deep soul, some spiritual gravitas. And um, unfortunately, sometimes God uses problems to help us grow a deep soul. So before you think of losing hope, focus on all that God has done in your life. I think each and every one of us here today can say, man, my life has been tough in a lot of ways. You know why I know you can say that? Because everybody's life is tough. I've thought back to a few years back when maybe I was going through a struggle or it's a family going through a struggle. And I thought, man, I don't want to go through that again. I don't, I don't want to even think about those days. You ever think that way? I don't even want to think about those days. But God was faithful. And we all go through tough times. All of you have had some really difficult times. We sometimes think other people's lives look easy from a distance, like they have easy lives. But they face as many challenges as we do. I think we need to say, this is hard, but look how far I've come. And look what God is doing in me. There's no way I'm going to turn back now. Why? All these years, God has been changing me. He's been growing me. Why would I give up now? Don't lose hope because God is still working on you. Let me just finish with this uh, question. <clears throat> Did any of you ever read a novel when you were in high school? Uh, or maybe college, I don't know. It's a novel by Oscar Wilde titled The Picture of Dorian Gray. Anybody remember that? The Picture of Dorian Gray. I remember we read this in in high school, and, uh, and then I saw a movie. There's an old movie. There might be more than one movie, but we, I like to watch. My wife and I like to watch the old black and white movies, and so I saw this movie <clears throat> a few months ago. And the story, Dorian Gray is this very vain man, young man, good-looking, handsome. Everybody likes him. He's very wicked. He's evil, a lot of sexual immorality. Uh, he's, just, he's just not a good man, young man. So he has his portrait painted, and when it's finished, he laments how sad, when he looks at his picture, it's a great picture, you know, a, a drawing, I should say, portrait of him. But he looks at this and he says, how sad that I'm going to grow old and, and get ugly, but this picture will never grow old. This picture is always going to, I'm always going to look great in this, in this portrait. He said, if it only were that, that uh, I would always be young and this picture would get old. Oh, he said, he said, I would give my soul for this. Well, he somehow got his wish. And so the picture of Dorian Gray is a story about how this picture, this portrait became a mirror of his soul. Remember, it was a wicked soul and it became a, a mirror of his soul and of his body. And so the picture began to age, but he remained young. His, you know, people around him all started getting older, but he stayed young and he was good looking. And, but what he did is he hid this portrait in a closet up in the attic somewhere. So nobody would know what was going on. But when he would go see this, this portrait, 
It was getting worse and worse. It showed every sign of evil and aging. It showed every sign of, uh, of wickedness, things, because he was, he was living a very sinful life, feeding his passion, and it wouldn't affect his body. It wouldn't affect his, his visage, his face, but it did affect the portrait. And I think, you know, the contrast between this evil, ugly, wrinkled body on the canvas, his face, and his exquisite appearance just became more and more every day. And I, I thought about this because I think in, Paul, in Paul's case, other people saw a withered, crushed man pounded by overwhelming hardships day after day. And they mocked him and they said, You're, you can't be an apostle. Look at you. It's embarrassing what you look like. What they didn't see was that the real Paul was as in a portrait that was stored away in heaven, that was being transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. Don't focus yourself on what's happening to you physically, emotionally, here on earth. God wants emotional health for you, yes, but don't focus on the things that you're going through and lose heart. Keep in mind what Paul has taught. And I would love for you to spend some days, maybe this week, rereading the, just these three verses, because I think they're so powerful to help and they help us to keep our eyes focused on the eternal, to keep the eternal in view. Don't give up. Whatever you're going through, don't give up. Don't give up hope. Don't lose heart. You have a lot of reasons not to lose heart. Look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He started us on this road and he's going to complete the work. So whatever you're going through, and I know that people go through some hard things. I, I, I look at sometimes people's lives and they'll, they'll talk to me about what they're going through. And I think, man, when it rains, it pours, doesn't it? It's just, I, I know how hard it is. Don't give up. God has a way for you. Let's pray. As we bow in prayer today, I want to pray for you. Paul wrote that in the latter days, there would be some people who would abandon the faith. Don't let that be you. It's happening. It's happening. There are people who have given up. They've abandoned the faith. Just like Paul wrote. Just like the Holy Spirit inspired him to write. But don't let that be you. Father, we turn to you right now. Thankful for the hope that you give us. We can't find hope here on earth, God, because everything around us decays. Our bodies included outwardly were wasting away. We can't put our hope on anything here on earth. We can only put our hope on the eternal, on the things that you're doing in us, within us inwardly, the changes that you're making. Father, I thank you that we have a great promise that the work that you started in us, you're going to finish. We don't have to lose hope because we can fix our eyes on you. We don't lose hope because we know you've given us a job to do and we're making a difference. We might say, oh, I'm just a poor little old Christian in the corner of this world over here just doing the best I can. But we don't realize what a difference 
we're making as a church, as a family, as individuals. And we don't lose hope because we know that you're not finished with us. Why would we give up? We don't lose heart because you're not done with your work in us. You're going to keep changing us, keep transforming us, keep growing us. And so we trust in you. But right now, Father, I pray for those that are hurting. Dear God, There might be somebody here today who has thought in recent days, I don't know if I can go any further. I don't know if I can keep serving God. I don't know. I just feel like giving up. I'm so upset. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I'm so hurt. I'm so heartbroken. Surround that person with your love and tell them that you can do this with me by your side. We turn to you.